Hey guys, welcome back to the Slice of Empathy podcast. My name is Valerie and I will be your host. On today's episode, we're going to talk about my first few years of marriage, uh, the wedding, a few years after that, some of the things that we had kind of gone through and some of the challenges that I faced as a young married woman and in California, especially because I think that it, it matters um, because I believe my experience would, might be different um, compared to someone who may, may have gotten married young in say Texas or Florida. I've learned that marriage in different states is definitely different depending on where you're from. And without further ado, let's uh, go ahead and get into it, shall we? Okay, so we left off on our last episode shortly after I moved out. Um, I moved out the the night, basically, I turned 18. I had gradually started moving my things out um, at home, and I was pretty much fully moved in, like, that night or maybe within a couple of days, um, and I had message my dad that I was 18 and that basically I wasn't coming home. So this was a precursor to a lot of difficulties down the road. Um, My dad and I had a very tenuous uh, relationship for the first couple of years, I would say. And I think I came across it when I was going through the garage the other day. He wrote me a long letter and what basically it was say I'm disowning you without blatantly saying I'm disowning you. The whole letter was basically, and maybe if I find it uh, before this episode goes live, I'll read it. Uh, but basically he was saying how, you know, I was getting, when he found out I was getting married, of course, he was not happy. I don't think I mentioned that I was getting married until I think a few months after we were engaged. Um, I think we waited a few months. I think we moved in together in June. Um, I don't think we really announced it until maybe August, September. Um, And at that point, we had started community college. And to be honest, I didn't think about it until more recently. But I think if I could go back and do anything differently, I maybe would have taken a year off. Um, Being on your own for the first time uh, and being on your own and being on your own also financially, going to college and planning a wedding were very, (laughs) very stressful. Um, We got married a year, about just about a, a year from our engagement. So it was technically 11 months. So it was a month before I turned 19 and it was, (laughs) it was challenging to say the least. I think we made the announcement. I think it was probably August or September. Um, I remember we just chose to wait a few months. Um, My husband's brother was getting married at the time. And I think like, you know, we didn't want to be those people were like, Hey, like, I'm engaged too, you know, like we didn't like be those people because it was funny. I was actually, there's a YouTuber I watch and her sister was getting married and she 
went through a divorce about a year ago and shoehorned her new boyfriend uh, into an announcement just like a like a week or so before her sister got married. I don't know. Maybe, is it just me? Maybe you guys can let me know. But I don't know. It just seems like, I don't want to say distasteful, but like, I don't know, not good form, you know, to kind of like steal the spotlight, kind of like when you announce a, a pregnancy at somebody's wedding, things like that. Um, time and place. So I think that was part of the reason that we decided to wait. I mean, I, I think maybe I had told a couple of friends, maybe my mom, uh, but not too many people. And of course, when I told a couple close friends of mine, um, you know, my, one of my close friends, she's like, we just took some time. It was just the two of us. And she asked me, she's like, you know, are you, you know, are you sure like this is what you want to do? Because, you know, again, I was like 18 at the time and I was engaged. And whereas that might be the norm, and somewhere like Texas or, I don't know, um, Arkansas or something like that. Florida, definitely the norm to be. I think it's weird. Like, even though it, should, it shouldn't be, that shouldn't be a stigma, it's still somewhat of a stigma if you're unmarried by 25 in other states. But it's interesting because in California, if you're married before 25, people are like, oh, my God, are you sure? Are you pregnant? Like... <laughs> they think it's like a shotgun wedding. And, and it's funny when I, we uh, ended up going to De Anza, De Anza College, which is actually just as big as a lot of universities, or and I think even bigger. At the time I was attending De Anza College, De Anza College is in the city of Cupertino. And at the time, um, I believe enrollment was about 35,000 students. Um, which is actually even bigger than some major universities. Um, we were there, my husband and I were there for about four years. Um, he was pretty much set on his major, I think, the entire time. He wanted to go into business. Um, and I, at the time, thought I wanted to do nursing because, you know, stability, it's a good field, all that stuff. Um, ended up changing my major a few times, as one does, completely normal. Yeah, so basically someone had, I think my husband... We were in a class together. It was actually a marriage and family relationship class, um, ironically, that someone, I think he had mentioned someone, oh, that's my fiance or something like that. And they're like, what? Like, you're engaged? Is, is she pregnant? And it's just like, it's really rude. Like, <laughs> but people would actually say that. And I'm like, part of me, you know, as someone who struggled with body dysmorphia was like, do I look pregnant? You know, like there, it was just like kind of doing a number like on my head, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, at this point. Yeah. So like when I was talking to my friend, you know, she, we had the talk and she was like, Oh, you know, is this, you know, are you sure this is what you want to do? But she did it in a very loving, supportive way because she was like, basically the sister I never really had. Um, so that was kind of the place where she was coming from. And when I was from like, yes, this is what I want. This is, this is what's happening. She was like, okay. And she respected my decision. Um, and I'll always be grateful to her for that. Um, and I don't even remember everyone else's reactions. I think I mentioned in the last episode that my husband wasn't having he never really had the best relationship with his mom. But at this point, 
his relationship with his mom and stepdad was kind of acrimonious. And I remember him, he told his mom in an email that basically I'm, I'm getting married, whether you like it or not, whether you agree or disagree. And surprisingly, she was actually very supportive. And she came from a place of having, I guess, experience coordinating weddings in the past. So she actually had a pretty positive reaction, shockingly enough. Um, now, his stepdad, on the other hand, was not in favor of it. He'd never really been in favor of us, of me, or of our relationship, of, of him, really anything. And I remember her, I used to work at, my coffee shop was pretty close in proximity to where my husband's mom worked, or where my mother-in-law worked. And I remember she came in one day, and I rang her up, and I was going to get her beverage going, all that. And she was like, oh, yeah, you know, and we were talking about, you can call me, I think she told me, like, I could call her mom or Mimi, which is her, like, family nickname. Um, and then she was like, she just right after that, she was like super excited and was saying like, oh yeah, you know, call me mom or call me Mimi or whatever you feel comfortable with. And then she kind of had this somber expression, like immediately after it was like, well, rich, he just wants to be, he just wants to be rich. And that to me said all that needed to be said. Um, he just kind of went along with it for his wife the mother of my husband. <laughs> so he, he just kind of went along with it just to support her, but he was not in favor of it. He didn't even really talk to any of my friends or family at the wedding. He was just kind of there, existed. <laughs> and um, I think the only person that he did somewhat engage with was my grandmother because they had a similar field of work. <laughs> But otherwise, that was pretty much it. He just kind of went along with it for his wife. Um, but he had never, never, and I, we haven't talked to him in probably, yeah, almost 10 years. It's been 10 years, almost 10 years since we have last seen or spoken to him, pretty much when my husband's, um, my mother-in-law passed away. Um, he just, he didn't want to talk to us. Um, so more, more to come on that. Um, but yeah, so we were planning, planning this wedding while going to school and sort of playing house. Um, it was honestly very, it was very difficult to be able to get by, um, cause we lived in the San Francisco Bay area at the time and we lived there for six years, um, before we moved and it was very difficult to get by. Um, I had taken another job at the coffee shop um, and had very minimal hours of work. Um, that's a story that's going to be coming up as well. But I felt, I think the rest of my husband's family, I think they were like, they didn't really have any like dramatic reactions. Just like, okay, you sure? Just like, kind of like the usual. I don't even remember my dad's exact reaction. I just remember that. Like he basically wanted to disown me. Well, you're getting married now. He's your responsibility or you're his responsibility, blah, blah, blah. Basically wanting to wash his hands of it. I'll back up a little bit because this is a big part. When Shortly before I moved out, um, 
my uncle, the, the weird one, had asked my husband to come outside so he could talk to him. Okay, whatever. When my husband came back inside a little bit later, he told me that, oh, well, your uncle basically took me outside and was like, if you do like anything to her, I will literally take you out into the desert chop you up into little pieces and bury them where no one will find them. So now at the time, it's funny, but back then he was like, what the hell? And like, he hadn't even done anything to really warrant that. And my uncle wasn't even really in my life. My uncle had never really been in my life. He's the creepy uncle that called me sexy when I was 11. So it's just weird all around. Um, I remember when my uncle first met him, he's like, oh, you're so, you're so skinny. Or what, are you vegetarian or something? <laughs> So it was just, um, it was really weird. Like, and I, I didn't really feel like it was even really his place. Um, so we had set out to not invite my uncle to the wedding because, you know, people may agree to disagree on this, thinking that my uncle's, you know, maybe he's just being protective over me. And if things were otherwise normal, I would be inclined to agree. But just considering my uncle the way he had acted towards me in the past and the fact that otherwise he had never really been involved in my life in that capacity. That's kind of where like, eh, I just didn't really feel like it was appropriate and there was no grounds for him to even really act like that. Um, so we didn't invite him. And to this day, I haven't even really, I haven't even spoken to my uncle. I've, I saw him once not too long ago when he was visiting my um, stepdad and they, it was actually not too long ago. And apparently he has a bunch of health problems now. Um, and he had this grudge against my mom that he was holding for many, 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 many years. Like they just couldn't stand each other. Um, at my high school graduation, like he didn't even come and sit on the pew or the, uh, what do you call those things? The, um, the bleachers. He didn't even sit on the bleachers because he couldn't even, he didn't even want to be around her. Like, nope, she's there. No, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to join you guys. But he basically has so many health problems now that um, when he was visiting, um, he basically, he had gotten lost and needed my mom's help. And like, and I think um, he couldn't get a hold of my stepdad. So he, um, I think my mom happened to be calling my stepdad's phone, which was in the car with my uncle. And so my uncle answered it and a long story short, like he was really grateful for her help and like basically didn't have any resentment towards her anymore. So like, it was really quite shocking. Like, and he looked immaculately different, uh, way older, way like a like very, um, just very aged. And it was just, it was so shocking. It came as a shock that he just was a different person even from four years ago because last time I had seen him was at my brother's wedding uh four years ago yeah four years ago that was the last time I saw him and he looked way different and that had only been only four years had passed and I think before that I had maybe seen him at my uh at my college graduation or something like that my dad had invited him my dad had for many years had said, oh, well, you know, you should mend the rift. You know, you should, you should have, he's of the mindset that I should have invited him because quote unquote, like, oh, that's just how he is, blah, blah, blah. And bury the hatchet. And 
which is all well and good until my dad had a rift with him. And my dad hasn't talked to him in many years because my uncle wouldn't get a job <laughs> and he lost um, my grandmother's house. Um, and my uncle basically blames my dad for it. So like they have their own rift between them and my uncle won't talk to my dad. Like he still holds a grudge against him. So my dad has tried to contact him a few times, but my uncle basically was like, nope. I don't have a brother, basically won't talk to him. Um, so I think my dad, he, he hasn't said anything to me since then about burying the hatchet with my uncle because I didn't feel like we did anything wrong. For one, I think who you invite to your wedding is very personal. Um, and you shouldn't feel obligated to invite someone that you either don't like or don't feel comfortable with etc etc so leading me to my next point where there was a process in the planning of our wedding where um my uh, my husband's and and i'll be honest um my husband and i actually initially were planning to just elope and so sometimes i sometimes i wish we maybe did elope because more than half the people that were at our wedding, we like don't see or talk to anymore. Um, so <laughs> I am of the mindset of, yes, if I could go back, we would have honestly just eloped and had something simple and had a nice honeymoon. Um, our wedding wasn't really that expensive. I think with like everything, the rings, the dress and everything, it was between like 10 and 15,000 just pretty modest because we had about 55 people we got married um in beautiful lake tahoe on the lake so it was really beautiful all of that um but it was over within like two and a half hours it was over within two and a half hours my dad had gotten wasted because there was actually a wedding that was going on going on in the building or yeah in the floor a couple floors above Ours, uh, ours was outside and there was someone else a couple floors up who was having a wedding on that same day. Um, I definitely think that could have been coordinated better because the uh, photography was not that great at all. It was very amateur. Um, they didn't even get photos of us with all of our family. Um, they got a lot of like photos of us and one person or photos of us two people rather than like groups. So I was like, eh, for a while, I kind of like, man, I kind of felt like, wish we could do this over. I, I, I really did. I, I really wasn't too happy about how, I mean, there are, there are great parts. I, I think it was beautiful, scenic outside. We wrote our own vows. Um, it, it, it could have been, it could have been a lot better. Um, my brother and my dad, <laughs> kind of made some inappropriate comments at the wedding table. Yeah, so it, it was, it was, uh, it was a day. It was, it was, I remember it, it wasn't anything lavish. I remember, again, we were broke college students. This is why I'm like, well, maybe we should have just taken that year off because, you know, I, I get distracted easily. But I think that I, yeah. Um, it's been more commonplace to take a year off, like figure yourself out, travel, like, have experiences before starting college. Cause I, but 
I think so many of us are are groomed from a fairly young age to where like, okay, you know, you need to go to college and this is what you major in and this is how you apply for grants. This is how you apply for student loans, blah, blah, blah. And so to me, not like immediately going to college, like right after high school wasn't even a thought. Like it was just, this is what you do, blah, blah, blah. At this point, my husband had been out of school for a couple of years and I wanted to get back to it. But I think honestly, I, I really think I should have taken that year to really rebuild myself with intense therapy and, um, while, of course, working to support myself and maybe, you know, traveling instead, um, which we did somewhat a little bit later. And it's funny because a lot of people, you know, travel in their 20s. Um, you know, or do it right after high school or whatever. For us, that didn't really start happening until we were in our late 20s and early 30s. Um, like they say, like your, your, your 30s, if you if you don't have kids in your 30s, it's like your, your 20s, but with money. <laughs> um, because we spent like a good chunk of our 20s like financially struggling because we lived in a very high cost of living area. My husband had um, a lot of struggles with finding adequate employment. And that was a major source of tension as well. Um, and that, that continued for that. That was a, a struggle for a good several years. Just feeling like I had to have this extra responsibility feeling like maybe he wasn't trying hard enough to find another job, his feeling disenfranchised with the job market. Because again, this was in the like late 2000s. So it was like 2007, 2008, you know, the great recession. So that played a huge part of it. it took me even a while to find another job when I left working for the coffee shop. Um, but yeah, so going back to... Um, I'll back, I'll back up a little bit, uh, because I actually thought of something that I wanted to mention in my previous episode. And I remember in the process of applying for grants, my dad had, um, had me, the grant process, depending on what the grant was, they all had different requirements. It's been so long, but basically, you know, I've always been, if I'll say, if I say so myself, uh, um, a great writer. And so I had to write, write some things up for applications for a lot of these grants. Sometimes it's like, a, it was like an essay or, um, about myself, um, a couple of paragraphs, whatever it was. Um, so, I'd, uh, you know, this was my senior year of high school and I was doing this and I found out later I, I don't even, I forget how I found out. I, I think my dad was having me send off, um, the applications and I found out that he basically rewrote a lot of what I wrote. Now I'm the writer, he's not, but basically it, what I had written had been turned into like this sob story about my life. And I felt like, one, this is 
my application for a grant. Um, this has to be in my words. And two, it just seemed like it was some weird validation or, or pine for attention on his part. It's like, no, you don't, you don't. And this is why I feel so empowered to have this podcast and to tell my story in my words, because it's not his story to tell. And it's, and, and the way he wrote it, he wrote something for my yearbook as well, where he, in, where it was indicative um, of my abuse that happened in the past. So basically you can have, I think a full page or a half page or a quarter of a page in a yearbook. And then basically uh, your parent can write something about you or you can write something about you or whatever. And when I saw <laughs> the published piece in the yearbook, I was appalled because while there were some nice things that were said, there were also some things that were inappropriate to put to put on a <laughs> in a public place permanent like a permanent printed place in a yearbook. Um, and and it was just like, oh my God, I can't believe he he said that. But it was basically indicative of my some of my abuse that's happened in the past. And um, again, it, it, it seemed like it was to kind of like, but it was inappropriate. And I was like, oh my God, I just, that's, you know, who knows how many eyes are on that, right? And so I just, and, and, and it was again, like very similar verbiage with, some of the grants that were written basically like about, Oh, you know, they, they seem like, like a pine for sympathy uh, because of my abuse. They were sent off that way too. It was, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. So basically, you know, it's kind of like the family, family vloggers that are on the internet um, exploiting their children's like medical history and struggles and different things like that because these channels are huge and that's how they make money um, or like for clout. Um, so yeah, that's why I think like, you know, it's not his place to say those things, especially rewriting my own work for a grant that's supposed to come from me that just, yeah, it's just, uh, I just wanted to mention that. I just, didn't think it was, uh, don't ever do that to your kid. <laughs> it's, um, you know, it, when and if your child wants to talk about their story, that is for them to tell and not for you to tell for them. But anyway, I'll move on from that. Later on in the first year when we're planning our engagement, I, I again, I'll, I, I highly recommend just elopement just because it is far less stressful. Um, we initially wanted to get married on our dating anniversary, um, but we ended up getting married a couple days later just to accommodate folks who were coming from out of town. So we, instead of getting married on a Wednesday, we got married on a Saturday. And honestly, to this day, I, I really, I have a lot of regrets about that. I'll be honest, I have, I have regrets about that. Um, and so right now, my husband and I, our plan is to, on our dating anniversary, um, we're going to go renew our vows in Hawaii. And so I'm, I'm so excited about it because I'm like, you know, 
if I can't just elope in Hawaii, um, the next best, next best thing is to renew our vows on that date, just the two of us. Stress and drama-free, just the two of us. So there was so much drama at our wedding. Like, my dad crashed the wedding above ours, got wasted, or buzzed at the, <laughs> at the very least, was making inappropriate comments. Um, my brother was doing something similar. My brother was not for us getting married at the time either. He gave us like a lot of grief and stepping in to be one of the groomsmen because one of my husband's friends, him and him and his friend had had um, an argument and they hadn't didn't talk for a while. And so he dropped out dropped out of the the wedding they there they have since then mended the you know have buried the hatchet they've since then like you know been talking this was a long time ago they there was some you know misunderstanding and so he ended up dropping out trying to figure out all of our bridesmaids and groomsmen's and it's like mm, when I think about it now I, I think there was so much importance of having an even amount of bridesmaids and groomsmen and the, some of the people that we asked weren't really like into it or wanting to know why and and it's just like oh my god this like this of many things while I'm like well, we should have just eloped and um and then of course you know feeling like we had to push out the wedding you know um you know so people could come and not have the date that we picked and um and then another thing, and my 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 husband's parents, um, uh, they contributed, I think, like five hundred dollars towards the wedding, and then his mom helped basically be our quote unquote wedding planner, which I am appreciative of. But um, I felt like there was kind of some, I don't know, I felt I felt like we didn't have a whole lot of control over who we wanted to invite. I. You know, my family was much smaller in comparison to my husband's family, and they wanted to invite a lot of their, like, their friends, and of course, uh, my husband's stepfamily that, you know, we never see anymore, <laughs> which is fine, um, but so my husband's parents, they had these two friends that had, like, five kids, and I think at this point, we wanted to have, a, like, either a... Uh, kind of a very minimal child wedding or child-free wedding. Um, and this, you know, I probably should have, this was probably indicative of me realizing that I didn't want kids later in life, but we just kind of wanted to keep things pretty stress-free. And I think it's been more commonplace for folks to, to choose not to have children at the wedding. Um, but, um, yeah, so like it, it's a, uh, but she got like kind of offended. She's like, oh, well, you guys aren't going to really be able, aren't, you guys aren't going to be able to chew or you guys aren't going to be able to control what's going on at the wedding. And I'm like, okay, I don't know, kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like, I, I'm like, I'm like, well, sure we can because isn't, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we were paying for the wedding like 90% ourselves. Um, and they were only contributing $500, and I didn't think that warranted them, like, complete, or my husband's mom or my mother-in-law complete control over the wedding. Um, so I was like, okay. Like, thankfully, they ended up not coming, but, like, we invited a bunch of people. 
as the wedding drew closer, there were people that dropped out. So basically, if you haven't planned a wedding, basically about a month or so beforehand, about 30 days before your wedding date, they finalize the guest list and um, you pay, you basically pay for like by per head for the food, because I think we had a, um, you can have like appetizers, you can have a buffet or you can have like served meals. And we, we chose the buffet and you had to pay per head. So there were people that decided to not come last minute for no real reason, um, that insisted on getting an invitation that dropped out that we had paid for. And again, <laughs> normally this wouldn't be a big deal, but again, we were broke college students at the time. Um, so wasn't cool. Um, I didn't even have the budget to get my hair done. I think I just did my, uh, paid to have my makeup done. It was very low budget. We spent a, uh, the following night in a nice, um, themed uh, jacuzzi room which is really nice it was uh, called fantasy and at the time uh, i think it's postmark or pot no, yeah postmark i think it's called postmark or may have rebranded again um but the night before it was very simple we i think we stayed in like a days in uh very basic motel room and i remember us rushing around to get everything ready and to get what we needed beforehand and Later on, we realized that my husband was wearing not black socks with this tuxedo, but white socks. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, okay. It was just like, we barely, I think, barely got there in time for me to get help, to get changed. Uh, bridesmaids were super helpful. Uh, we had a, um, not a bride's, what do you call it? That actually like a cocktail hour at my um my mother-in-law and stepfather-in-law's condo they had like a timeshare in lake tahoe at the time so they had a timeshare where they had like a cocktail hour the night before and i think this was after the rehearsal which was i believe also the day before so we had the rehearsal and then the cocktail dinner the whole thing i think was only two and a half hours uh we were kind of rushed towards the end because i think they had like another wedding after ours or something i think my top regrets well for one i i you know actually initially when we first when my husband first proposed like we were thinking of just getting a just eloping and then we went to um my husband's brother's wedding and or my brother-in-law's wedding and then we kind of realized oh you know maybe we do want like the full affair, you know, like, you know, real weddings are actually kind of nice. And after all, I think, I don't know, I guess part of me wanted some sort of normalcy, but in my family that doesn't really happen. So I was like, it didn't turn out that way. And I think, you know, at this point in time, I've seen enough weddings to realize, to, to realize that like no wedding is ever really a hundred percent perfect. Like there's always like some little thing. And I, I feel like the only way you can ensure like a drama and stress-free, mistake-free <laughs> wedding is to basically just elope just the two of you and just keep it very simple. Uh, also budgeting, um, because I just feel like, you know, it was all over within two and a half hours. Um, you know, we were kind of rushed through our photos. We were rushed through our dinner. I, I think we couldn't even eat. We had to, you know, I'm, 
my husband's mom was coordinating the wedding and she had, <laughs> uh, I think all of the leftovers picked up and the food and cake and stuff picked up, which was super helpful, um, for us to eat later. But like, yeah, we couldn't even eat at our own reception. And I found out later that I guess that's common for so many couples because you're just so pushed to go around and thank and greet people at your reception that you don't really get a whole lot of time for eating. We didn't even have like a, like dancing or anything. I think we had like a wedding CD. Uh, we didn't pay for a DJ just because it was so expensive. I remember my husband's parents were looking into ha having an open bar, which I really didn't want because, well, my dad ended up crashing the wedding, their bar. They had a bar upstairs in the other wedding. <laughs> so I don't know. But I, there was a lot of alcohol issues in my family. So I uh, did not want to have a, open bar um but it kind of seemed like one of those things where my mother-in-law like kind of made us feel like we didn't really have much control over like they were thinking about paying for one and then once they realized it was like fifteen hundred dollars just to pay for the bar not even including the alcohol um they decided okay that's a no-go um so i think it was just yeah it was just champagne and of course i was underage and i couldn't really drink anyway um, so I think I had like sparkling juice or something like that or cider, but yeah, so I think that the, I think it was like $1,500 for like the DJ, um, the open bar. And that's just for like paying by the hour and like for the setup that doesn't include the cost of the drinks. So yeah, they decided it was like too expensive. So Thankfully, yeah, we didn't have that. But it's just like, I don't know. There's so many things where you just feel like, I don't know. Like, we just felt like we didn't have any say in. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, yeah. It was it was really overwhelming. And also, I'm an introvert. So I was like, I was extra overwhelmed. You know, you're speaking in front of a bunch of people. And um, I remember my, it was so windy that day that we were lighting the unity candle. It barely lit. My veil was blowing around, almost flew out. It's flowing in my face. Wouldn't stay put. So some of my like bridesmaids had to kind of like step in and pull it back. And then of course my, you know, the, the, <laughs> the audience laughing because my husband has really big knuckles. So his ring wouldn't go on very easily. So it was a little bit of a struggle. And then it's just like, those are just like some small things that are just kind of like, like humorous, like, there's always going to be like some little thing. Um, but the, the cake was, was great. It's beautiful, beautiful day. Um, but there, yeah, there was still drama. And then I think the the <laughs> most frustrating thing was a lot of people, a lot of people drove up from the Bay area. So this was about a four or four and a half hour drive from the Bay area to, um, South Lake Tahoe. And, and <laughs> those people drove back the same day. So it's just like, you know, on one hand I get it, but at the same time, it's like, you know, if you're going to attend a wedding and just like bail early, you know, and like you paid all this money. And so like, I don't know, like, I feel like if I, if I was going to travel that far for a wedding, I would probably just at least stay overnight. Um, so they bailed early and just like, Oh, okay, whatever. I can't really do anything about it. <laughs> And then I changed into like more of a reception dress because another top regret of mine is not getting an A-line dress. You know, as a gal who has a pear shape, I'm like, definitely A-line 
dress is the way to go. <laughs> um, I changed into, I guess I think I had like one of those, it was like the mermaid style gown. I forget what, what that, um, what the silhouette name is, or if it's just called mermaid style. But yeah, so I changed into just like a regular, like evening gown that was like more comfortable. Um, and like, unlike a lot of people, like I, because of all the changes and the stress of that first year of living together with someone for the first time and going to college for the first time and being engaged, like I had like gained quite a bit of weight. So like, I was actually like, I don't know, technically not my head, like at my heaviest, but I was pretty heavy at that point in time. Um, and then I lost a bunch of weight, like a year later. Um, yeah. So like, um, I remember my husband's mom basically saying like, oh, she's ordering the dress kind of far in advance. And another, <laughs> it's improved now, but um, I ordered like a cheap, <laughs> unbeknownst to me at the time, like a very cheap knockoff Alfred Angelo dress off of eBay and like the zipper just cheap and had broken. And so we had to have it altered a few times. So like, yeah, you're buying wedding dresses off eBay. Just be careful because a lot of them aren't legit. Um, I would recommend um, ordering it from like a drop shipper, kind of like a house of brides. Um, so it's designer dresses that they sell cheaper because you're not like, let's say going to David's bridal and buying a dress there. Um, <laughs> And, you know, going through fitting and all that, you know, all that, all that stuff. Now, and I think another regret of mine is honestly not just going to a bridal store and trying on different dresses and just like, oh, I really like that one. I'm going to buy that one. And, and so I, that's kind of one of my re uh, regrets at the time. Uh, initially, you know, we didn't even get diamonds. We, I had like a beautiful blue um, sapphire white gold ring. Um, because yeah, at the time we were broke college students, we later got nicer rings as money allowed. But yeah, at the time, I think my husband's was a simple white gold band that had very little diamonds. I think his was a couple hundred dollars and my ring was a couple hundred dollars. So like, not like super extravagant, very, <laughs> very budget level. I also ne neglected to mention that, um, my brother was initially supposed to stay with my mom and my grandmother um, because my aunt and the grandfather had, for some reason, they just decided to bail on coming to the wedding at the time. But uh, my brother decided to go back with my dad because they both were pretty unhappy with uh, us getting married and made it known. And after my dad kind of broke the wedding upstairs, came down and he he showed up minimally dressed as well to where people had commented on it and the uh, whole thing that I totally forgot to mention to you guys was that I had my stepdad walk me down the aisle um and honestly I probably could have just had my mom because like now that's like Traditions have changed so much that it's just like, you can do whatever you want in a wedding now. Like we didn't have flower girls or like we didn't have a lot of the tradition, but you can like whatever goes, like you don't even necessarily have to have someone give you away. Um, but at the time, like I had, you know, I was young, had been to very few weddings. Things weren't, you know, quote unquote, 
as woke <laughs> uh, then as they are now, because this, this was back in 2007, 2008. But uh, yeah, I... I think part of it, my dad was, you know, my dad and I had already had a tenuous relationship and he basically wanted to, or tried to disown me. Um, and we didn't really talk much and we had a tenuous relationship for a couple of years because of that, even more so when he found out that I was having my stepdad walk me down the aisle just because of how my dad was acting. Um, and I get maybe he didn't agree with us getting married, but the way he went about it to basically meet, I don't know, just to feel like I was abandoned all over again. And it's just like, especially from a parent, it's just like, I don't know. And side note, I think that having a kid young, like 18, 19, is even more life altering than getting married. Because, hey, you know, if you get married and it doesn't work out, there's always divorce. And I think that needs to be more normalized, like it's okay. You know, 50% of marriages do end in divorce anyway. And it's funny, like my husband's grandmother was saying that like my husband and his brother of all of her grandchildren who have been married for, you know, who even got married later in life. Like we all got married really young. Like the both of us, you know, we got married pretty young and we're still married, whereas some of his other um, his other cousins, like they got married later in life and, you know, their marriages ended in divorce. So it just kind of goes to show that, you know, you never know. Um, you could it doesn't matter what age really that you get married. Um, things still may not work out sometimes. Um, you know, I think as my as one of my therapists had mentioned to me, you either grow together or you grow apart. And that you know, it's more likely to happen, you know, earlier on in life, you know, if you, you know, get together, get married young, it's, I feel like it is more likely to happen because, you know, you're still discovering yourself, but hey, you also, you can grow together, but you can also grow apart too. Um, but honestly, it, it, I feel like there should be less stigma about, you know, age. I mean, of course, I think it's a big decision, but I feel like it's not <laughs> the end, end all be all. Um, because there's always, you know, it doesn't work out, then that's really sucks. And it's a bummer, but it's part of life. Divorces happen, and that can happen at any time of your life. Uh, but if you have a kid at a young age, um, there's no going back on that. Um, that's uh, that's the, your responsibility for the next 18 years to maybe your entire life. Um, so yeah, just wanted to kind of throw that in there, that that was a good bit of <laughs> information. It was, uh, it was something. And, you know, actually, as I mentioned, I was working in a coffee shop. Um, of course, I got, uh, I was a little bit of the rumor mill, rumor mill there because they, some of my coworkers, of course, didn't really understand why I was getting married so young. And, um, I remember there was one day, I think I was picking up my dress from the alterations place, like right next door to where I worked. And they're like, da, 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 da. like, like the thing, like, so some of them were like, like kind of supportive, but they were still like kind of shocked about, um, like me getting married and whatnot. Um, and there, I think it was, I don't know if it was, it may have been like after the wedding where I had to deal with this whole HR situation because literally there was this girl 
who basically made it adamant that she wanted to climb the corporate ladder. And I actually recently discovered she had a YouTube YouTube channel that literally just popped up. I was watching another video and I'm like, holy shit, I recognize this girl. Like, you don't forget the face of your abuser, if that makes sense. Um, and when I say that, I don't say it lightly, but she really did bully and abuse me and take advantage of me during a time where I um, was still in such a fragile state from like the abuse. Like she would make me scrub drains in the middle of my shift when that wasn't even part of my job description. And she would talk about me to other people when she knew I wasn't within earshot um, after I went to HR on her because she literally like pushed me around. At the time, she was seven years older than me, wanting to climb the corporate ladder, kissing up to management. And of course I was forced to, I think, leave that job later that year actually. And that was when I took like a, I uh, took like a hiatus or hiatus from working for about a year, year and a half after that experience where I just felt so just demeaned and my, my out working hours were cut for no reason. I had, um, I had really stepped up and showed like my uh, competence level as far as my work. You had like one of those employee evaluations where this kind of set the precursor for any other employee review that I faced later on in my life because I had this one like bad experience with this employee review and saying I didn't do very well and all these things I needed to do to improve. And I had written documentation that I had improved because they give you like a 90 day period to improve your work. Um, otherwise, you know, they let you go. Um, and I had serious improvement and somehow though, my hours had started to decline. And I later realized that it was in an effort for them to try and basically get rid of me. Um, I had put in my two week notice and filed for unemployment, which was initially denied because I technically quit. However, they found out that they basically fired me before the end of my two week notice, but didn't tell me. Now I had gotten down to very little to no hours, like literally no work for like two weeks. And unemployment decided in my favor because it was tantamount to uh, a layoff because I had no work for two weeks. And um, yeah, I had to go through the appeals process. And again, this was during the recession. Um, so it took like extra long to go through this process. But like I had it was, I was bullied like so bad at that job. Like it, it was insane. Like this woman was trying, she was like best buddies with the management. And again, like making me scrub drains, talking down to me, very condescending. And I don't know, like I happened to come across her video and part of me felt like super petty because, you know, like a lot of YouTubers have like snark forums and I just felt like, you know, how many people know that she's, this, this person is not a nice person. But I'm like, you know, I don't know. Maybe she could have changed for the better. I, I don't know. Uh, but it was just weird how her video just came across my eyes one day. Like, just it happened to be in a similar niche that I follow. And I'm like, okay. Um, but part of me, like, 
struggled with not being petty and being like, did you guys know that this person is like, she is not a good person. Like she harasses and demeans people at work, but I'm like, no, but I like, as much as I want to, like I had to reel myself back and like, you know, who knows, maybe she's changed. And that could be a stretch. Some people can change. I mean, at the time she was in her mid twenties and she's like 40 now. So it's been like 15, 16 years. So I guess that's possible, you know, um, cause I know I've changed in the last 15, 16 years, but who knows? Um, so it's like, it was everything that I had not to like be petty about it after discovering her after like all this time and just, yeah, like feeling pushed out of my job and harassed and bullied. And I don't, yeah, again, I don't say that just because, oh, you know, we didn't like each other. Um, I remember the very first time I met her and I was genuinely nice to her. Like, hey, how are you? Like, because she had come to work at, at my store, at my coffee store. And um, she was just very dismissive, didn't really listen to what I was saying, wasn't, didn't give me the time of day. It was just, it was just, it was an instant turnoff. And later on, like as we interacted more, yeah, she was, she talked down to me, talked, treated me like I was beneath her, um, made me do things again out, outside of my job description in the middle of the day when I should have been making coffee for customers. She's like, go scrub, go scrub the drains. And it was really bad. Like, Oh my God. It was like Cinderella and stepsister bad. <laughs> it was kind of like that. And, um, but anyway, yeah. So I forget, I thought I was dealing with that around the time of the wedding. I think so. It was like around that time. Cause I remember she made weird comments about the fact that I was getting married. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was, uh, yeah. Between dealing with a toxic workplace um, struggling with past trauma. I, I think it took many years, um, because just like everywhere I went, it just felt like trauma followed. Um, and, uh, the only like saving grace for me was the X-Files movie in 2008. I want to believe my favorite movie ever. It was like around that time is two months after we got married. And I'm like, I couldn't, like when the X-Files came back for the revival in 2016, I just allowed myself to be fully immersed in the anticipation and the excitement with other fans on that I experienced because during the second movie, um, which aired six years after the end of the show, the original run of the show, um, I was just so immersed in getting ready for a wedding and learning and, and figuring out how to be a wife and, and I think looking back on that now, I, so much of my identity was like wrapped up in that. Now, I don't know. I just felt like, oh, like we're a unit now. Like it's about our interests and not my interests. And, you know, I end up realizing later that it's unhealthy, like how unhealthy that was. And um, neither my husband and I really had a great example of relationships. So yeah, so it was, uh, it was a struggle, of course, like throughout this year, like we had like insanely heated arguments. Um, and to an extent to where at times things would 
get physical or get close. And we just did not know how, we did not have any healthy coping mechanisms for conflict resolution um, because there wasn't really a model that we weren't really taught and we're both coming from, from trauma, from traumatic experiences. Um, yeah, so it was, it was, uh, that was rough. Um, and I, it was later on that same year where I ended up, yeah, leaving, leaving my job to, um, continue school full time and just fo focus solely on that. And of course being married and whatnot. Um, and it, it was necessary, but I think I also felt this sense of, um, like, oh, like I should be working and, you know, I'm not being a productive member of society. I'm like, okay, these same people that told me that are these are the same people that have have that have personally themselves uh, quit their jobs to focus on school. But I still felt like a sense of I don't know shame for doing that, and a little bit of shame for not having my own income for that period of time. Although um, I did have unemployment income for a good chunk of that time. Um, not for the first few months, because it took about, I think, four months to um, win my appeal for unemployment, and I got a lump sum. And then um, my husband and I went on this really awesome road trip. It was like for all that pain and suffering that I had experienced, um, something good had come out of that. Um, we went... Um, on a road trip for a month um, across the country to um, visit my husband's brother and his wife. Um, and yeah, I think it was a little, little over three weeks actually, drove to North Carolina and back to California. Um, and maybe that's where I'll leave you guys for now. Um, <laughs> I think there's so much to unpack here that there's a lot more, but I feel like there's already a lot to unpack here with my first year of marriage and our struggles that I think I'll leave you guys with that and then can pick up after when we come back for our, our next episode, which will be after I get back from Thailand. So this episode will probably air while I'm traveling. I'll also add in that I think part of our reasoning for getting married younger was to feel more accepted um, by our families and to be taken more seriously. Now, of course, I definitely do not regret it, but I will say that there is something to be said um, about, you know, taking your time. I think maybe if I had the opportunity to go back, maybe we would have waited a little bit longer I don't know if it would have really changed anything, but I think it's what made sense for us at the time to have that feeling of security and not even just financially, but emotionally. Um, and I feel like that no one should ever feel that way in a family that you, you know, aren't taken as seriously because you haven't exchanged vows 
Um, and there were a few scenarios where I helped my husband write emails and letters to some of his family. And I just look back on that. I just feel so stupid, to be honest, because I've since learned that, honestly, the person whose family is in question, it is really, and, and this goes for any relationship, it's really on them to set the expectations and boundaries with their family and communicate that within their own words, because it's, in most cases, not well received by quote unquote, the outsider of the family, if that makes sense. And so ever since then, I, I, I mean, I look back on some of the things that I said or did at the time, and I just feel so much shame. And I remember communicating that to one of my, my um, husband's aunts um, or my aunt-in-law actually earlier this, this year, um, I'm like, God, I'm like, I feel really bad that I acted that way or said those things. I feel so much shame. I didn't know what I was talking about. I mean, like, I will, there's something to be said about, you know, whomever you're with, like their family, you know, they know, they do know them better than you. And I think at the time, it's just like, okay, why am his wife, blah, 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 you know? And I don't think he's being treated very well or being treated equal. And I just felt like, you know, it wasn't really my place to get involved and to say things to his family, whether it's his mom, his aunt. Even though I felt like he wasn't being treated very well or treated fairly, I think I projected my own insecurity and on, not onto him, but onto the situation coming from my own family and just feeling my own <laughs> lack of self-worth, having just feeling wronged um, by things that had happened to me or just feeling a sense of, you know, unfairness. And seeing that happen to the person that I loved was a so hard. Um, you know, eventually I learned that there is something that, you know, called a, not necessarily just empathy, but an empath. Where literally I would just get so upset at seeing things done to my husband. Like, even though, it's, you know, if it didn't bother him, like, you know, he would take things really, really well. I would feel upset for him. Like I was feeling for him. And this has happened to, to many other people who are close to me, where if I see that they're wronged in any sort of way, I just feel mad for them on their behalf. And I think partially it's projecting, like, I like I came from a place of, I know how that felt to, to not be treated well, um, you know? And I'm like, I know how that feels. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to see them get hurt. And then also feeling it, from my own path, based on my own past experiences. Um, and so I think that was really hard. Um, and even though I was a good writer, I, you know, didn't, I felt like I could have articulated things better. I, I also feel like, and even now going forward, I tell my husband, cause he's not a writer. He's like, I don't know what to say. What should I say? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to write the response for you but I'm like oh you know maybe you can say this but I'm like it, it, this needs to be in your words unless it's like something that is pertaining to the both of us where 
either one of us can respond and that's fine. But it's, if it's something specific to him and I'm like, okay, maybe this is what you can say. And then he, like, he can write it. But like, I will fully admit that I'm completely guilty of writing angry responses on his behalf. And I just look back and I'm like, God, that was so dumb. Like I was so immature and, and I try to be lenient and kind to myself because I was only 18, 19 at the time. And I just, I have to give myself grace, but I also felt empowered to talk to my husband's aunt. I'm like, you know, I'm really sorry that, that I acted that way when I was younger. And, you know, and then I, I, you know, much as, as I have divulged on this podcast, I divulged to her, um, you know, and I'm like this, you know, I was in a very unhealthy place at the time and she like had no idea. I mean, she had some idea of what was going on when my husband and I were dating some idea, um, but not, not the entirety of a lot of the things that I had went through. And I felt such a, a, a lot of understanding and, 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 and sympathy but it's just like, it was so, it's just so hard when you've been, you've been through something or have not been treated maybe right all of, you know, of your life or have gone through trauma and, you know, it's it just, it's, yeah, like, I think it affected both of us and, you know, it took him a while to learn how to speak up for himself and, and for me, cause he's, for a long time, he'd be like, oh, well, you're an adult. You could just tell them how you feel because, I don't know, maybe there's something that, I don't know, one of his aunts and uncles said that, like, made me upset. And he's like, oh, why don't you just tell them? It's like, well, because it's like, when, I, when I'm like, when I've said it in the past, it hasn't gone out, gone so well, you know? So I'm like, I do still think that the person who's, who's biological family, you know, um, that it's coming from that, that, that person sets the boundaries. It's, it's, it's important for them to set the boundaries and reaffirm the boundaries with their family. Now, of course, being a spouse within said family unit, like, you know, if someone just blatantly disrespects you and says something rude, yes, you should feel free to, you know, respectfully and, and kindly remove yourself from the situation or convey that that action or whatever um, was not appropriate. Um, you know, just as you would in any sort of situation at work or at school or um, with your own family members, friends, whatever. Um, but in a way where it's like, you know, not like F you, you know, like <laughs> that saying say that, but just to make it known that like, you know, it doesn't matter who it's coming from. If someone's mistreating you, then you need to let them know, no matter who who they are, that that's not okay. But also, ex have the expectation of your spouse to withhold the to uphold those boundaries and to to stand by your side with you. Because at the end of the day, they're married to you. You know, you're their family. You should come first and. If that's not the case, then there's definitely that work that needs to be done. And because I, the way I think of it is if someone says something that is, is inappropriate to my husband or to me about my husband, 
it's up to me to be like, hey, this is not okay. And I'm not going to accept that, you know, um, because I have dealt with um, a lot of people disagreeing about my situation. Like you can disagree. Um, you can um, have your opinions about things, but it's not okay to blatantly disrespect me or my partner. It's just, that's just not okay. Because at the end of the day, people are going to have their thoughts and opinions and there's nothing you can can do about it. Now, if it's <laughs> like a trusted, if, if someone, if this is someone who trusts and respects you and they give their, their feedback in a kind and respectful way, then that's one thing. But to just blatantly trash someone or to make inappropriate comments, it, it's just, it's not okay. All right, guys. Um, so that's going to bring me to the end of this episode. I think we'll pick up on the next episode because there's still so much to unpack with just this first year and wedding planning and getting married and all of that things in between. So I'll leave you off with the following year from when we got married. My husband and I went on a wonderful road trip um, during the time that we weren't working. And we, this was the one time that we did for the luxury of travel. It was, a, it was during a time where we weren't working and we had the means um, and some good came out of a really bad situation I had been in in my work environment, something I learned a lot from and I hope you guys will too if you have or have been in a situation similar to that. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening in. I will see you guys in my next episode. Bye.